there's always things that you can do that are far better than alcohol because alcohol, you know, that's poison. It makes you act like a dick, you know, and it ruins people's confidence. It ruins their clarity and time. I mean, there's a million things that go with excessive drinking. And I tell you what, like life now and talk about new beginnings, I can't even, I could just bawl my eyes out thinking of how much life has improved and how much I see people's lives improve, you know, when they, when they quit and, you know, six months down the track, how their confidence to see someone so confident after they've been so down on themselves is so beautiful because when your self-esteem is low, people with low self-esteem, it's kind of, it's documented that they make poor decisions. When you're feeling full of confidence, you make great decisions for yourself. You do great things for yourself. I'm Michelle Edwards. I'm the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too, because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly, through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel, a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer, words Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? Danny and Ash, hi. Hi, Michelle. Hi, welcome to the podcast. So exciting. Pleasure, pleasure. So you are a husband and wife? Yes, um, we are. New South Wales, Australia. What was your ending? Uh, the ending. Well, there is, yeah, there's a lot of endings, a lot of new beginnings. But now our main ending was quitting alcohol. So Ash and I, Ash is a musician and um, I'm a musician as well, but way back. And we just, I guess, like everyone over the years, I started drinking in my teen years and just became a full-on binge drinker. And then we got together in our early 20s and, you know, we just, as you do, especially in the music industry, you're kind of expected to drink a lot. And so, I mean, Ash can share his part of the story, but um, just, yeah, we drank a lot. We drank with friends. He drank on the road. We drank when he got back from tour, you know, and all the events we'd go to. And it got worse and worse and worse, progressively worse. And so for me, um, Ash is different, but for 
my journey with alcohol, I was really starting to wake up with a lot of regrets. Um, you know, hating myself, self-deprecating talk, you know, telling myself I was a loser and a dickhead and the anxiety, you know, we call it anxiety, where you wake up at two o'clock in the morning going, what the F have I done? You know, what do I do? Can't remember what I did last night. Can't remember going to bed. And then we had kids and I guess that petered off for a little while. But then as the kids got older and, you know, starts again, the drinking starts again. And then it becomes a little more serious because you've got to, you know, you've got little people to look after. And when you're not remembering, sometimes putting them to bed or you're feeling too hungover to get up with them and, and just there's that. And then just living out of alignment with, with myself, with my own values. I wanted to be healthy and I, I have this other me, the other persona of Danny, which was um, the person that was healthy and, um, meditating and doing yoga and, and living this really well wellness kind of lifestyle as opposed to this other Danny who was binge drinking and smashing herself and eating chips and gravy the next day, watching Netflix all day. And, you know, that just wasn't me. And I just thought, you know what, enough's enough. And so we um, set about together with a group of friends as well to take 12 months off alcohol. And that's what we did, but we didn't go back. So it's been three years, but I guess our new beginning was, was New Year's Day three, three years, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That was our new beginning. That's when it started. And I can tell you life has changed. Like, so like, it's just incredible. Like the difference it's made and I can let Ash. 100%. Um, for me, um, I love the um, theme of your podcast and I think, especially in midlife that's really an amazing thing and mm. I actually I went through a bit of a midlife thing like I was part of that roots generation in music in that started out in the 2000s and whatever and I had a time just before we quit alcohol actually where I wasn't on triple j anymore all that kind of stuff and it hit me really hard and like we were drinking a lot and stuff and my head was blown up like a melon <laughs> and as, I don't in, know. as in it was quite puffy. It, w- it was fluid. puffy. It wasn't from confidence. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and you know, I had a lack of confidence. It was really hard to, um, to deal with that sort of natural progression of things in a way it was a natural thing, but it was just really hard to deal with. Okay. I'm not like, I'm not in that age group anymore. Um, you know, drinking heaps, you know, and it was just culminated in a bit of a midlife crisis that almost seemed unavoidable. And that was my death or my, that was my dark time. And then the new beginning was when Danny said, you know, we should quit alcohol. And um, also with a lot of positive thinking around that time and a lot of acceptance of where I was, and then I really got to thank Danny for helping me to really lift my sights. And she was talking to me a lot around that time about how I would speak to people about where I was at with my career and how negative I was. I was trying to convince people that I was washed up and going nowhere. <laughs> and um, from the time that um, I made a conscious decision to turn that around, um, everything changed from that point. And that was a new beginning for me in my music career and at that time I also wrote a book that documented some of this stuff um and yeah a lot of things turned around but it was all from that initial death of something so um 
yeah, it's a, it's a really cool thing that people shouldn't, I don't think people should fear change. I don't think people should fear the death of something. Mm. Um, and you don't know what's around that corner. And there's usually something, if you're really hanging on to something and you have to let it go, there's actually something really cool around the corner and there's no way of you seeing it until you let go of that thing that you've been hanging on to. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I agree that um, we often, we get so resistant to change and we like, we recoil at the thought of change it, and even dark times. It's like sometimes we'll go into a dark and negative time or a challenging time and we'll try and wash it away with alcohol or try and escape from that dark time. But really, like Ash said, once you have some acceptance with that and go, okay, this is happening now, and then you let it go, and then there's always, like there's never been a bad time in life, I don't think, if anyone's got through bad times, where they haven't come out and either learnt something or something better has come along from that. So in, in some ways, I love rock bottom. I think rock bottom is a gift for a lot of people um, because it enables a new beginning. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So tell me more about the rock bottom. How did it look for you? How did it feel for you and your family? Well, for, for Ash, his was definitely like more career focused and I guess some health, like how you're feeling about yourself physically. And for me, it, for me, it was just so sick and tired of the same old bullshit. Like every weekend, you know, waking up and, and you know, just feeling so crap about myself but there was a lot of it was a, an accumulation of a lot of times feeling like that and letting my kids down or saying I was going to be doing something and then either being too hungover to do it or um my last big binge drinking session I was meant to be taking my friend's kids and my own kids out for dinner and then I was taking all the kids back to our place in Bali we had a villa in Bali and I was going to put on movies we're going to make popcorn have this great night I was going to be the best mum in the world and when I met my our friends to go do the, the um, me to take the kids home, we started drinking double shot vodkas. And um, I just got so wasted that they had to put me in a taxi and take me back to the villa. In which point, when we got to the villa, I got out of the taxi and vomited all over myself in front of my kids and their kids. And these people that I was meant to be taking their kids home, you know, to watch movies, they couldn't go out because they had to stay home and look after all those kids that I was meant to be looking after. And I remember my daughter coming in and patting my head when I was vomiting in the toilet, just saying, oh, mum, I wish you didn't eat that, whatever it was that made you feel sick, because my friend had said, oh, mum's just vomiting because she ate something bad. And I just, to me, I mean, that might not be a huge thing to some people, but to me, I just, I felt so horrible and just so shit about myself. And then waking up, I passed out and woke up a few hours later and I could hear my friends outside by our pool and having a nice time. I was just so embarrassed and I was so sick of waking up embarrassed, you know, waking up, going through my phone. Who did I text? You know, who did I, you know, who did I ring looking to see, you know, I was just so sick to death of it. So for me, also I run my own business. I run a business called Earth Bottles and with Earth Bottles it's been quite a successful business. And in all honesty, if truth be told, I'd kind of let it fall by the wayside a bit because I was just not there. I wasn't present. You know, I wasn't making good decisions for my business. And um, so for me, that's, that was like just, an, yeah, like an accumulation of things of just going, you know what? I've had, I mean, I've had other rock bottoms, <laughs> but 
that was, you know, it was just, uh, it was time to change. I needed to change. And also me, I should add, like um, me saying my career rock bottom, it's not that, it's not to say that I didn't have that identical drinking rock bottom. Um, Because we were just, yeah, stuck in that trash bag um, cycle. Detox, retox, we used to joke. Because we're pretty also health conscious. And like, so like all that time, that I was sort of playing and drinking and I'm like a really keen surfer. I would always get up in the morning and, and think it's not a problem because I'm doing the, the detox part of the detox retox cycle. But it was just a, for me, I was still doing like horrible trash baggy behavior. That's why I really stopped it from too much binge drinking, but I didn't realize the massive benefit um, that would happen for my career and other areas of life, like our relationship health, career and everything from just kicking that mm. evil little sucker. And just being like complete trash bags. Like we were really bad trash bags, just wasted, you know, and thinking we were smashing it. Thinking we were cool partying, you yeah, know, oh, we're partying. You, know. you think you're smashing it, but you know deep down the next day when you wake up and you, you're either coming down a bit or you're sobering up, whatever that is, um, you could like, oh, I'm so not smashing it. This is not smashing it. But then there's this expectation of you to then, live up to that persona that you've created for yourself. So that is a new beginning in itself too, to be able to sit with yourself comfortably and say, actually, no, that's not me. This is me. And then live your authentic, live your authentic self and show up and be that authentic self to other people and say, no, this is who I am. And that takes some guts. But, you know, I mean, we had, like Ash was saying with the retox detox thing, you know, I'd go for weeks and not drink and go on a juice fast and go to yoga retreat and things like that. But then because I wasn't doing internal work on myself, I was using sheer willpower. And I think to make a really big shift in your life, you need to do quite a lot of internal work. So what, what we did, and this is what spurred on me doing this podcast, How to Quit Alcohol, I designed a playbook off the back of this to help people quit drinking is we started journaling. So we'd have a big gratitude practice. We had a list of things, musts we call it, and must things that we had to do each day. It was like little physical challenges, little tiny ones to do each day. Ash's was bigger, his was 100 push-ups a day. And mine was just to get out and walk every day and be really appreciative and write lists of things I am, like affirmations, so I am, healthy, I am the best mum I can be, you know, and it all sounds a bit wanky, but you start doing this every day and your mind starts to reprogram. And you also, it starts to change um, the neural pathways in which you've set up for decades of telling yourself how shit you are and putting yourself down. This is like flipping it in reverse and starting to change the way you think about yourself and change these negative thinking patterns we have about ourselves and in our culture in Australia. It's, it's so, uh, that's what we do. We, we talk ourselves down. We don't like the tall poppies, you know, we've cut the tall poppies down. So that's part of the, the big new beginning was starting to change that way we were thinking about ourselves, the way we we're speaking about ourselves. It's really important. And it's really important that people can start to change that way of thinking and start to appreciate who we are because we're so amazing we are amazing humans we're so resilient now bodies are beautiful and we've got these beautiful minds but we we just spend so much time trash talking ourselves yeah 
So when you finally reached to this turning point and decided to stop drinking, you, you could both say that you were really ready mentally? No, I don't think I was. No, um, like we've thought a lot about this subject mm. since working on it. Mm. We weren't ready. We didn't really see ourselves as non-drinkers, actually. Mm. So we just, I thought it was a stupid idea when, um, <laughs> when Danny first mentioned that a friend of ours that was going to do it. I was like, I'm, I, I'd started not drinking it on tour. And I was like, that's enough. You know, like, this is a crazy one year. Um, but then once you've done it for a while, your self-concept starts to change and you start to see yourself as a non-drinker and stop thinking that it gives you an edge or this or that, you know, like, you know, if anything, it takes your edge off. But yeah, so once out, I probably think at once, actually once it dawned on me, like I went out straight away, like I had to do a gig the day I quit, like uh, after New Year's, I had a hangover and I went and did my first gig and it was a festival and everyone was getting off their heads. Um, so I was sort of confronted with it straight away. So in a way, that was the funny thing. It was probably easier for me because I had to be around people drinking straight away. And so I had to know I I'm, was normally partying with the the audience and leading the charge in that way. So I had to change that part of myself straight away. But I think for us, it was about for both of us about three months in when we started to see ourselves as non-drinkers. Yeah, but no, I think with you saying, were we ready mentally? It was like, I was ready to do the challenge and I was ready to take 12 months off drinking, but I wasn't ready. I was still identified as a, as a drinker. So that was part of it. And where I was saying with the journaling, it was like, I was white knuckling. I was, Ash was different, but I was finding it quite difficult for the first few weeks. So then that's when I thought, right, and I did some research into journaling and things like that. And I thought, okay, now I've got to make this mental shift. Otherwise it's going to be 12 months of hell. And so that's, that is when I was about that point. And then as I said, about three months in, I really started to feel like, okay, yeah, I got this. I can do this. I'm a, I'm a non-drinker. This is how I'm going to roll. Had you tried to stop before and, and failed and didn't make it? Yeah, absolutely. Like I was saying before, the detox retox thing, how many times I woke up and said to myself, that's it, never again. I'm not touching it. I don't want it. I'm, you know, never, you'll never make me drink. I'll never drink no matter what. And then within, I call it a hangover amnesia. After about three days, you know, you start to think, I'm good. I could just have one. I'll just have one. And this is utter rubbish. Like if you are someone that can't pull on the handbrake, there's people out there who can. And they really suck those people that can just have one or two. But if you're someone that can't, that really can't stop and you really struggle to stop, it's pretty much, that's, that's just how the story goes for you. So you really have to know thyself and that you, it's moderating is too hard and it's exhausting. And it's not to say that it's not saying that like we are scared that if we had one beer, we're going to run out and start sculling scotch or something like that. But what you do find out is sooner or later you're back in that same situation going, Oh no, I'm back here again. Mm. You know? So that, that's probably the misnomer that some people probably don't necessarily get about that. It's not that you just start, have one drink and then just start going crazy, but it's, you end up at, I reckon you end up at some point at the last point where you left off, where you said, I'm never drinking again. 
eventually you end mm. up back there. That's what happened to us. I think it's pretty well documented too. I know that's with Alcoholics Anonymous. We didn't do AA or anything like that because we weren't quite that level yet. But um, most people that like uh, alcoholics or big binge drinkers usually find and pretty much everyone I've worked with. So I do sober coaching. I'm also running a three month challenge. We're kind of three weeks into it at the moment. And pretty much everyone who's in that challenge, there's 30 people in that they've all had the same thing where they've tried to quit and they've tried to moderate and they've ended up back where they started, if not worse. And um, so, yeah, it just seems to be that once you've opened that neural pathway to just keep on smashing it, smashing it, it's really hard to shut that down. But look, in saying that, some people have done it. So, you know, but I find best that abstinence is the best thing. In those first few weeks, months, how did you approach your habits and your cravings and social situations? Well, I was so straight into the social situation of playing wineries and beer festivals and whatever. So that was, and my ritual was drinking like that. that that's how I would um, warm up for a gig. And I always thought I had to have a buzz to um, get on stage. Um, so I had to approach it by just rethinking it completely. And, to be honest, it was so in my face straight away that it wasn't actually, obviously it was a bit triggering, but it wasn't that hard because I just made that firm commitment and that was that. Um, but for as for an, the everyday social situations, I don't know, for me, a, a firm commitment is a firm commitment. So I found that almost liberating to say, I'm not weighing up, should I have one? Or maybe I'll have a light beer or, you know, it was just like really firm. So in a sense, I didn't need to make a decision every time I saw a drink. I'd already made one decision on the 1st of January, so I didn't have to make any more. So I found that liberating. Yeah, um, same, I'm the same. Because once I decided to do it, I didn't want to have egg on my face. Because so many people laughed at us and said, there is no way you two will never, I'm calling bullshit, all the rest of it. And so I thought, well, I'm going to show them because mm. I'm very determined type. So with the social situations, for me, I think I, I uh, having been pregnant twice before, you can't drink when you're pregnant. So I just thought, you know, that choice is taken away. And like I said, once the choice is taken away, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I just thought, I mean, I've got tactics now. And when I coach people, I've got tactics for that, which is, and I did do this earlier on, but I'd just try and avoid people for a while that drank heaps or people that I drank with a lot. I would still see them, but I'd change it to, I'd go walk with them during the day or catch up for coffee in the morning rather than catch up in the evening. And I kept really, really busy. So just doing lots of um, oh, anything, reading, learning, anything that I could sort of do to keep myself busy. Um, and in social situations, always arming myself with, if we're going to a party, like rocking up with like kombucha or a six pack of kombucha or always have a drink in my hand that was non-alcoholic and get busy helping at the party and leave early. So I'd have a time. I wouldn't stay there all night. It would be like, yep, I'll come. I'm, I'm probably only going to come for an hour or two. And, and I stuck to that. So I wasn't kind of hanging around or if I felt uncomfortable, um, I just thought I'm out. I'm getting out of here. So I just got out of there and um, it's actually pretty easy. Like the first few times were kind of hard, uh, but as time went on and then you go through each social situation, it got easier and easier. Busyness yeah. is a good thing though. Yeah. And you found that you could still have fun at a party if you weren't. Oh my God, yeah. 
Yes, I might not get up on the table and dance quite as early, <laughs> but I, you know, I can dance on the table with the rest of them now. No problem. And yeah, I actually have more fun because I find, and everyone who um, has gone through this process who I find, everyone says the same thing that they have. When you talk to someone, you know, you think when you're out, when you're drinking alcohol with someone, you're breaking the ice, but actually when you're sober and you're present, you're really listening to the conversation because before I was only half listening anyway, I was sort of off, you know, the, a drunk person is very um, egocentric, you know, they're into themselves. But when you're sober and you're having a chat with someone, I don't know, it just becomes so much more meaningful. You listen, you're not nervous, anxious, thinking, fuck, did I tell them this same story last week? You know, that kind of thing. And because I work so much internally, I got more confident. So I was socially maybe not that confident before, but now I'm really confident socially. So that took some work. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's much more fun. Yeah, I can get dance at the party, do all the stuff, talk to people. Yeah, I think I'm way better now because I'm not embarrassing myself. So yeah. <laughs> and the music scene, you still feel like you can play good music and, you know, get in the zone? Way better, way better, um, way more into it now. Like I used to use, yeah, I think, you know, with the podcast, we're talking about like death of things and change. And one thing alcohol does is it cuts off that natural cycle of change um, and it's natural for things to evolve. Whereas I was in this ritual that I probably did for 10 to 15 years of that getting a bit sozzled and then getting on stage and being loose and in the moment in that way. Whereas now I'm much more in the moment in an awake kind of way. So like at the start of my career, I was sort of known for like making up a lot of little songs and mucking around on stage and every gig was different. And then I had a period of about a decade where everything got a bit more the same sort of like a normal rock band, just playing through the songs. And now this last, even after lockdown, I was playing solo again and uh, I started making up a lot of songs and stuff. And that's something I thought I'd never do again. I thought that was just because of my age. I used to be able to do it. And I thought I'd lost that ability. But I think it was just that I had that I was dimming things a bit. And now I've, I feel like maybe I've got some brain cells back or something. The lights back on. <laughs> but also with Ash, like he started to, um, with all of his extra energy, he was like constantly practicing guitar and doing scales. So his guitar playing went through the roof. And you're doing the same with your vocals. Yeah, I'm doing so it with vocals now. Constantly working on his vocals. And from what we were saying before, from the person that you were feeling a bit washed up before, like he's just recently had a song, in, uh, an album in the top 10 in the ARIA charts with Josh Teske. And his performances have gone through the roof. And Which I'd never actually had an album in the top 10 before. Yeah, so, so. it's like sobriety brought all these extra gifts to you in terms of your music career 100 percent. and also the thing is during that time we're talking about music but in that first year that i quit i wrote like i said i wrote a book called surf by day jam by night where i went to interview all these like uh, famous surfers like kelly slater and steph gilmore and jack johnson and stuff like that and talking about productivity when you're um sober and needing something to do or whatever I never watched Netflix that whole year. <laughs> Every night I was writing. And, you know, so I was doing all that guitar practice whilst I was writing that book. And 
I don't think I'll ever be that productive again. <laughs> but the common but, the common theme too in that book was that most of them, they're very, you know, they're at the top of their game, either in their music field or in surfing. And hardly any of them drank. Like they were just saw alcohol as something that pulls you back and holds you back. So. None of them were massive drinkers. Yeah, no. that was really interesting. So at a time when we were going through that, I'm interviewing all these people who are world-class at following their passions and seeing their patterns. And, um, you know, that was a real life changer. And yeah. it wasn't, yeah. And it, it really showed me that we were on the right path with look at, you know, using gratitude to fuel our optimism moving forward and to not be, yeah, dragging ourselves down the whole time. So that yeah. was sort of put some wind in both of our sails just to, see how those people were also yeah these people like they're not losers like these people are like they're killing it you know killing it loving know. life they're not know. sitting there going ah, you know and telling yeah, the same old story no way like they are <laughs> up yeah they're not repeating themselves but they're up they're working on their 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 thing you know whether it's surfing or their music they're up they're working on it hard you know yeah and to be successful i mean there's plenty of successful drunks out there but i wonder i don't know it only happens, I, I really feel like people who are successful and wasted people, uh, it happens once in your, in your career, like you get the initial go at it. Um, but then it's probably the very rare case of somebody who might be successful in their 20s or teens and then they're still successful at 45 if all they've done is, you know, write themselves off or if they're even in negative, not just alcohol, if they're in a negative way of being or a negative pattern if they don't have gratitude for their situation in life it's really hard to sustain what's needed to really stay at the top of your game and get to follow your passions so that was one thing that came out of mm. that year and that book and a lot of successful musicians who are still around that have had alcohol problems too they tend to have quit now they're either dead or they've quit <laughs> 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 and but a lot of the younger musicians like Ziggy Albert and all these other musicians, like they're not big drinkers. No. Some of them don't even well, drink. Well, Ziggy doesn't drink. Yeah, yeah, doesn't drink. And there's so many brilliant young artists, like in their 20s and early 30s, that it's just not what they, they do. They just don't. I had Billy Osho on my um, podcast recently. He's an amazing musician. And he and all of his crew that he hangs out with and that they play music together, they don't touch the stuff. They're like clean eating. They're doing yoga. They don't drink. They're just drinking for losers you know and they're they're just doing so well in their careers and as humans like they've got so much to give and god i wish we had have been so enlightened we had different mentors <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah anyway so when you talk about alcohol as a coping mechanism and then you take away alcohol what other coping mechanisms have you incorporated into your life if you've had a bad day or if there was something that you otherwise would have made you want to have a drink? Well, I, um, for a start, I think when you quit something, you need to replace it with something. So um, Ash always says nature, you know, doesn't like a vacuum. You have to fill the void. Otherwise, if you pull out a tree or a plant and just leave the void there, weeds will grow. So you need to put something else in its place to, to fill that space. So, exercise i do meditation every day i do a breath exercise where i call it the double up breath where i breathe in for four and out for eight if i'm feeling anxious or a bit uptight if i'm getting into a social situation that's making me a bit nervous before i'll yeah just 
get in there. So I'm in for four, four breaths in through the nose and eight breaths going out. And yeah, so that's, that's sort of what I do. Ash's bit, how do you, what's your coping mechanism? Well, the first thing is that you're not masking and you're not using something that doesn't solve the problems that, I mean, we always knew that anyway, everybody knows that, but like, I think it's just, yeah, taking away avoidance of whatever the problem is and just like, for me personally, a big part of solving all of the problems that I needed to solve in my life was just taking that alcohol out and just leaving that space there. Um, and then it's natural for me to work on things when I've got the opportunity, but I wasn't giving myself that opportunity mm. as much before because I was filling it up with alcohol. So I think too, like yeah. with the people I coach, I always say to them, what is it that makes you drink? Like, and there's usually, these are the standard things that make people drink and drink a lot. It's usually confidence, boredom, loneliness, and stress. So what I say to everyone is, okay, so when you're drinking and you, you when you're drinking to excess, if you follow that drink through to the end, where does it lead you? And most people say, 2am waking up, 3am or the next day waking up feeling completely like anxiety ridden, confidence is shot, they're hating themselves. So basically it's doing the opposite to why they're drinking in the first place. So if you're drinking for confidence and you get to a party and you're full of confidence, but then you make a jerk out of yourself and then you wake up the next day going, oh my God, what do I do? Oh, how embarrassing. Oh, I've got to text everyone. Oh, bye, 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 bye. Um, it's killed your confidence. That's killed your confidence. It was the next time you get a drink in your hand. So you see, it's just this sort of, you know, or someone's stressed. Or, it's the exact same thing. So or, or like I was saying, like using exactly what you're saying, but like in the musical context, that was the classic. I was using it for inspiration or to get in the moment. And it's the very thing that dulled down my senses, dulled down the inspiration and stopped me getting in the moment. Yeah. So what I say to people is, so it's a, that's just feedback. So if you're feeling like you need to drink to be confident, use that as feedback. Okay, I need to work on my confidence. How can I work on my confidence? And you start, I, I encourage people to start writing that down. So what's the first step to working on your confidence? It might be learning how to engage with people better. So it's how do you engage with people better? You ask some questions, you try and deflect, you know, there's lots of different things you could do. What would make you feel more confident? Some people it might be, I'd feel more confident if I lost a bit of weight or, there's all different ways, like you know what would make you feel more confident. So it's leaning into those things. So being a little bit curious. Okay, what is it that's making me act like that? What's making me do that? What's making me think that way? And then leaning into that and okay, what can I do to improve that? Just little things every day that you can do to help that confidence issue or help that stress issue. If it's stress, you know, learning to meditate, yoga, do a breath practice. There's always things that you can do that are far better than alcohol because alcohol, you know, that's poison. It makes you act like a dick, you know, and it ruins people's confidence. It ruins their clarity and time. I mean, there's a million things that go with excessive drinking. And I tell you what, like life now and talk about new beginnings, I can't even, I could just bawl my eyes out thinking of how much life has improved and how much I see people's lives improve, you know, when they, when they quit and, you know, six months down the track, how they're confident to see someone so confident after they've been so down on themselves is so beautiful because when your self-esteem is low, people with low self-esteem, it's kind of, it's documented that they make poor decisions. When you're feeling full of confidence, you make great decisions for yourself. You do great things for yourself. 
So that is it's just such a gift, you know, and you just wouldn't believe it, you know. So if anyone was feeling, you know, get in contact with me anytime, like I'm how I quit alcohol is my Instagram. And just if you, even if you're a bit sober curious and you want to ask some questions, you know, come and flick some questions at me because I'm really passionate about helping people and helping them get through this because honestly, I didn't think, and all of our friends are always like, oh, you two, I can't believe it. If you two can do it, anyone can do it because we were such trash bags. And the, the change it's made, you know, in our lives is huge. Yeah. So what a beautiful new beginning that came after that ending. And let's talk more about what you do now to support others to also quit alcohol. So what are you doing and how does it work? Yeah. So I, well, it all stemmed from the podcast initially because I thought, a lot of people were asking me about it, you know, what happened or, you know, friends. And I thought, let's get on and share our story. So the very first podcast I did was with Ash and we were just really open about it. And I was trying to sort of drop the shame around this whole alcohol thing too. Cause some people feel so embarrassed that they go hide it. And I just thought, well, fuck it. We're just going to get on and just tell it all and say how it is and how we felt and how we went about getting off it. And the response was so big. So then, you know, that led on from there. And then I thought um, about the playbook, you know, how I said I, I use this journal and I, I found my old journal that I used when I first quit, took that 12 months off. And I saw kind of really clearly what, what I was doing, the gratitude practice, the must, the I am's and all these quotes and all these people I was listening to. So I thought I'm going to put that down into a book so that people can, you know, just have their own kind of, it's like a gratitude diary on steroids, gratitude journal on steroids really and um I thought that'd be cool and so that was the first step and then um started I started studying and start, I've become an accredited life coach and all this stuff I can't even believe that I've, I study CBT and neuro-linguistic programming as well and just studying and learning whatever I can and started some people wanted some coaching so I started doing some coaching and now it's led on to yeah it's pretty much almost becoming a full-time thing and just helping people. And now I've got this challenge, which I said, I'm going to start doing three a year. So January for three months, a three months sober challenge where we just lead people through, um, yeah, just help them through the three months through various, they can look on the website to sort of see more info. And then I'll do another one in July and I'll do another one in October. So for dry July and October, but it will be a three month thing. And everybody in that sober challenge, it's going really yeah, well. They're doing so it's well. It's really cool. Yeah, so everyone supports each other and um, we do weekly group coaching calls. And it's cool I, to see 30 people Yeah, they're just, that they're having a it. new beginning right now and they're saying yeah. all the sorts of things, their version of some of the things that we've been saying. Yeah. It's really cool to just see that, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. So it's so rewarding. And I'm still running Earth Bottles. Nash is still doing his music, but I just feel like this is so great. Like, And honestly, I never in a million years would have thought I'd be doing something like this and helping all these people but it's the most rewarding most awesome thing so it's a definite new beginning and yeah that, that support and that community must be really powerful when somebody's been thinking about this but then all their mates drink and their spouse drinks and you know just to have somewhere to go where you're really encouraged and supported must make yeah, make it a lot cool. easier to make that call and stick to it it's really cool because um, so initially with our group, we had a little WhatsApp group. And so we were really kind of called on each other a lot when we were triggered or if something was coming up. 
Um, and all of us who used that group, we all stuck to our 12 months. So I, with this challenge, I set up a Facebook group. So anyone in the challenge is in this Facebook group. And it's just awesome. Like everyone's every day posting. I'll say, how's everyone going? And there was a couple of women today. One had like a, a brunch. It was the endless rosé brunch. And she still went. But so she told. So part of it is like, if you've got something coming up, let us know. And then let us know when you get home. <laughs> so it's sort of like a check-in. And um, everyone's just well done, excellent, you know, and there's no negative stuff because that's my rule. Like it's got to be pretty positive and everyone's just supporting each other and they're all becoming friends now. At first they're a bit sheepish. And, uh, and as you say, like some of them, their friends, you know, are still drinking heavily or whatever. So it's just a nice, safe, nurturing space for them to be able to meet and talk about it. We have a virtual cup of tea as well. Um, it's, it's, so that's a really nice space. And yeah, it's just awesome. Really cool. And what kinds of conversations do you have in your podcast? It's basically, it's, I'll get people on who have been either binge drinkers or alcoholics and like to just hear sort of similar, I guess, to this one in that I take that we talk about their past and how they started drinking, where it went to with them, how they got off it and how their life has changed as a result of getting rid of it. And it's super inspiring. and. Um, yeah, love it. Just love it. Love everyone's stories. And everyone's different. There's all different walks of life, all different people, you know, and different levels of addiction or, or not addiction. But um, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's really inspiring to see that this change has led to such a beautiful place in your life and a career as well. You would never have guessed or imagined it. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. It's hard trying to juggle running my business, running earth bottles at the same time, but I'm sort of making that work. And, um, I just, I really love this. Like, I feel like this is my calling, <laughs> but you never know what's around that corner. No. And if you don't have the space that's created by that death in a sense of something that's gone before, then you'll never see that. And so many people just, can't see around that dark corner mm. and um i had did a really interesting podcast um that just went up a couple of days ago um with a guy called brendan margison who always oh, known as margo in the surfing world and he was like the most he was known as the best surfer in the world the best free surfer in the world of his era but he he was just saying that very same thing because he had felt suicidal and he he was just saying to people you you know you just don't know what's and that you don't know what's around that corner and you know in this COVID time where we've lost musicians to, to suicide suicide and a lot of other people and some of those people who committed suicide they didn't know what was around the corner from them potentially and it it's so sad to think that some people get into such a dark place that they can't see beyond that corner and there's mm. there's something cool around that corner yeah um, yeah. yeah. So if somebody was listening and they are a drinker, in your opinion, at what point does, is drinking a problem? I think it's when it's affecting, when it's, well, for one, when it's changing your personality in a really big way. If you're waking up like really full of a lot of regrets, if you're waking up not remembering going to bed the night before, on a, once or twice, sure, but if it's happening 
every time you drink or more often, you know, when you drink and you're feeling out of control, I think it's a problem. Obviously, if you're a daily drinker, that's a problem. Or if you're feeling like you're, you need it, you know, if you absolutely need it, if you can't do something without it, what if you can't go to a party ever without it, or if you can't get through an occasion without it, I think it's definitely time to have a look at it and at least, yeah, look at it curiously and think, hmm, okay, and even try, okay, well, see how I go for a month without it and what that brings up for me. And if, if you find that really difficult, then yeah, it might be worth having a look at it. And most people, another guide is if you're worried about it, then yes. Yeah, if you're Googling, <laughs> Am I an alcoholic? <laughs> then yes. Most people who are worried about it, there's yeah. a good reason. I think when, when you come back to where you said that you could go for a couple of weeks without drinking, but then you would binge and then not know when to stop necessarily, I think there's a big span between binging and quintessential alcoholics. So, you know, some old guy in his 50s who... Um, has a long neck in a brown paper bag and is walking around the streets at 10 a.m. drinking. Um, so you might think, well, I just drink. You know, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not that. But if binge drinking is a problem, well, it's still a problem. It's still an alcohol problem. Yeah, and you don't have to be an old guy or a 50-year-old guy um, getting around with a brown paper bag. You know, <laughs> it can be, you know, like someone in their twenties, like I've dealt with people in their twenties. Um, just talking to a lady today, actually is her son's in rehab in his late twenties and just got a serious alcohol addiction. And I think, yeah, it doesn't have to be. And this is, this is the thing. And this is one of the reasons I started my podcast too, was like, just because if you, if you're not drink, just because you're not drinking every day, doesn't mean you don't have a problem. So it's all those things I said, when you're waking up feeling like, Oh shit. And, you know, you can't control yourself. You can't pull on your handbrake. Um, yeah, there's definitely, yeah. You don't know what's around the corners. On one of the podcasts, I spoke with my friend Lyndall, who we started drinking together as teenagers. And I didn't realise this. She was running a really successful um, business over in New York. And I thought she was just this high flyer, having a lovely time. And I didn't realise she was, she was drinking every day, sneaking vodka. And it just crept up on her. Before she knew it, she was went from binge drinking, having a great time to hiding it in her desk at work and having to have a drink of vodka to get up. And she was early thirties then. So, you know, yeah. On a different note, I was going to say sometimes, um, I think the term alcoholic, I never really liked that term. And like, I just think it's sort of sometimes less useful. Like, it's just like, mm. it should be almost avoided for some people you don't have to fall into that category to be worried about your drinking. And like, if you're at kind of like, if you're ever out of control, if you're doing it on a regular basis, if your friends have seen that side of you more than once, then it's worth having to think about. Mm. Because the other thing is we're marketed alcohol for every occasion. Mm. Like we were writing a blog post about this the other day. It's like for weddings, for any celebration, for a birthday, for a commiseration. For first dates. For first dates, <laughs> for romantic dinners, for anniversaries. There's basically no event that we're not expected to drink alcohol. And we're sold this idea that it's our good time, that it's our relaxation, and it's just marketing rubbish. But enjoy it responsibly. You know, like this addictive substance that once you've got a little bit of a shine on, feels good to have more, do it responsibly. You know, it's, 
it's kind of like, mm. yeah. And then you're relying on a drunk person to make good decisions, like drink responsibly. So yeah, yeah what I'm saying is that in our culture, it's just so expected of us, you know, to do it and to mark every occasion with it. So I really want to challenge people to challenge that, you know, why not have a celebration without it, you know, and enjoy some times out without it, enjoy an anniversary without it, you know, it doesn't, why does it have to have alcohol, you know, in every occasion? And what happens then we end up attributing alcohol to all of our good times, but sure, it's a good time at first, the first few drinks, or if you can pull up the handbrake and you go to bed and have a cup of tea, fine. But for all those people that go out of control or all those people that, you know, have a car accident on the way home and, you know, it can all go so wrong. And that's the other thing we, you just touched on then, Dan, we were talking about that the other day and I think we put it in a blog post. Alcohol gets all the credit for all of your good times and mm. it sort of takes over in that way. And if you take alcohol out of the equation of that good time, the good time is still had. It's, it's, so it gets all of the credit for those good times. And then when you're regretting it in the morning, you're like, I'm an idiot. So then alcohol gets none of the blame. Yeah. Gets all the credit and none of the blame. So it's all like, we didn't have that good time by ourselves. It was alcohol that gave us that big, that good time. But then the bad stuff, that's 100% our fault. That's not our alcohol's fault, not our good old buddy alcohol. Yeah. So we sort of like, something we've been doing is inverting that a bit and, you know, blaming alcohol for things that are related to you being drunk <laughs> because you can't do it without alcohol and then just stripping away some of those good times that we said are only alcohol and think, well, there's a lot of ingredients in that good time that weren't to do with alcohol. Mm. Yeah. And the, the psychology of habits must be really interesting too. You know, you don't actually need to pour yourself a drink when you come home from work. It's just a habit and you can yeah. make a conscious decision not to do that or to do something else. And your cravings, you can make a conscious decision not to um not to fulfill that craving and the next day not fulfill that craving and then eventually you'll form a different habit exactly so one thing i do with my people that i coach i say to them so go and this came from one of my other coaching clients this was her idea but go and get new glassware for a start so go down and buy yourself some beautiful glasses really gorgeous like knock yourself out spend what you'd spend on a nice bottle of wine or whatever bottle of spirits and um, so when you come home, and if that's what you do, if you come home and you crack open a wine or crack a beer, instead of doing that, what you're going to do is you're going to come home and pour yourself a beautiful soda water, a beautiful kombucha into one of these new glasses and fill it with lime and put some beautiful herbs in it and go and sit down where you'd normally sit down to have your drink. But then you take a few of those, if, if you're drinking to relax, say, or you're drinking for your little treat for yourself, go and you sit down in your spot with your beautiful new glass and take in the, do the double up breath. So you take in four breaths and breathe out for eight, in for four and out for eight. And just let your body go and relax and tell yourself, well done. And really enjoy it and really think, wow, I just did this for myself. Like I gave myself this gift right now of giving myself a beautiful, healthy drink and this beautiful glass. I'm helping myself relax by myself without alcohol. And um, you start to form a new association and then you start to get the new habit. Yeah. So. Yeah, sorry. Sometimes I think it's just the ritual that you really enjoy. Not You exactly. could enjoy it just as much if it was a glass 
of soda water and lime compared to if it was a glass of vodka and soda. It's not the alcohol. It's just the ritual of you sitting down on your chair at the end of the day and um, or catching up with a friend on a Friday night. Just that ritual is the important factor, not the alcohol. Absolutely. 100%. Yep, totally. The same thing, like even, um, like I just went, we went to a friend who's opened a tea shop in Castlemaine up near Bendigo. And we bought off her a beautiful big teapot and heaps of tea. And I thought, well, this could be another new ritual as well, like making a beautiful, which we've just done, um, make a beautiful pot of tea with some, you know, gorgeous tea leaves and in some nice little teacups. And that can be a ritual in itself. You don't need to, like when you got that record deal with um, Mushroom when we first quit, it was like, we were like, oh my God, how are we going to celebrate? How are we going to celebrate without champagne? Shit. <laughs> and we even did that we still had that we're still so we've still got that programming a little bit because even with the um album with josh teske we're like i don't know what to do now because i always we're not gonna suddenly have a champagne we always drink tea it's like you need a special tea yeah <laughs> let's get the good tea from the top shelf some <laughs> some what did, you need a tea that costs you 200 bucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the good tea now Pull out the good tea. Let's celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Danny, the people that are in your program, who are they? What What's your common age group, common gender? Well, this is really interesting because I've got a couple of early 30s in there. So um, the youngest is 32 and the oldest would be in her 60s. So it's a really mixed group. And yeah, it's interesting. I, I kind of assumed that it would have been more, I don't know, like early 40s, but um, probably more toward the, the 30s, early 40s, but kind of spread over that demographic. Yeah. And you have programs that if somebody's interested, they can come and speak to you now. Absolutely. Yep. Just they can send me an email or get in contact on the Instagram. And so if I'm not running a challenge, um, they can grab the playbook or I've got a free ebook, which is on my uh, website, which is iquitalcohol.com.au and they can download their free ebook and there's lots of little tips, little mindset tips and things on there and some uh, questions that they can start asking themselves about their drinking. It's a really cool tool. A lot of people use that. And I also do uh, like one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So, but the, I think the challenges are really awesome because there's that community along with it. I think I think they're really cool, really yeah. beneficial. Yeah. When are you starting your next challenge? July. It'll be July first. Yeah. So get in contact if anyone's interested. Um, I haven't got the registration up for that yet, but I guess it'll be probably going up next month. But yeah, feel free to email or, like I said, to get the free the free ebook. It's really great. It's a good it's a good starting resource. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. Thanks, but Michelle. What what you have done is so inspiring, and um, yeah. you are such a joy. And it's really, really nice to hear how many doors have opened up since you stopped drinking. I'm really, really thrilled for you both for doing this, following through, and um, everything that's happened, and also sharing it with other people to bring others along on this amazing ride as well. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. All right. I'll link everything in the show notes, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks.
please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m at medwards.media.